Welcome to Kingdom Life Embassy. We're so glad you chose to tune in to another power-packed message by Dr. Maxwell Holland. If you are enjoying these podcasts, then connect with him on Facebook at Maxwell Holland. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. In the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, the Bible tells us concerning Abraham, the mandate that was given from God. Leave your father's house to a land that I will take you. And he says to Abraham, as you are detaching for what you know is security and normality, I'm going to make out of you a great nation. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed because of you. If they can put up the amplified version, he says, I will make you one that distributes goods to others, 12, 1 through 3. You can see through this covenant blessing, I never thought about this. And what I'm teaching this morning, I've never preached this anywhere. This was a word God gave me just for this house at 3 a.m. this morning. The covenant blessing that he gave to Abraham, I never saw it till this morning, Pastor, is a stewardship blessing. It's a stewardship blessing because the blessing is not just for us. In other words, he was saying to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you, I will curse those that curse you, and that through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, shall be empowered to prosper. And then by the time you get over to the 15th chapter, he now says to Abraham again, I shall be your exceeding and great reward. May I submit to you, my friend, today that it is impossible for a water hose to have water to go through it and the water hose not be wet itself. So what God was doing with Abraham, he was saying, I don't want you to get stuck on yourself. I don't want you to get stuck on being selfish and self-centered. I don't want you to be stuck on being provision-minded. I don't want you to be stuck on worrying about how to rob Peter to pay Paul. I don't want you to be stuck on worrying about where your next meal will come from and how your children will go to school and school fees. I don't want you to be stuck on all the things that the Gentiles seek after. The Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 34, he says, your heavenly father knows what you have need of even even before you ask. He said, it's the Gentiles, it's the heathens that say things like, what shall we eat and what shall we wear? He says, but your father knows what you need even before you ask. So if you look at what God is saying to us, he says, there must be a shift in your mindset because when you're a kingdom-minded person and when you're a covenant-minded person that's called on an assignment from Almighty God, you think about it with the military. The military, Pastor Winston always says this, the military makes sure they don't have to make their own uniforms. They don't have to go out and finish for their own food. They don't have to provide their own shoes. They don't have to provide their own weapons. They don't have to worry about a place to stay. The government that they're representing that they're fighting for makes sure that their medical is taken care of, their housing is taken care of. Why? So that when that man goes to battle, his mind is on the mission and the assignment. Are you hearing me? Well, if that be a secular organization or entity or enterprise, then how much more our Heavenly Father, who has given us a mandate to go into all the world and to be a representative of him to the earth how then now can we represent a God of opulence a God of wealth a God of compassion when we ourselves are worried about how you're going to pay the mortgage and how you're going to pay the taxes and how you're going to pay the school fee God says absolutely not you will not represent me that way God says you will not let the governments of the earth outdo me you will not let the military outdo me you will not put me to shame I am the Lord thy God that shall supply all of your need not according to the economy of your nation but according to my riches and glory 
by Christ Jesus. Shout aloud amen this morning. I came with a message for this house today to bring a shift in your mentality. As we begin to enter into this coming year, you're going to see a lot of shift in the economic systems. You're going to see a lot of major things happening worldwide. And God is preparing his people for what is about to take place. And where it all begins is right here in the mind. I came to share with you today, if there were to be a title to the message, it would be called Unmerited Success unmerited success. In other words, the success that God has for you, the provision that God has for you, the wealth that God has for you. We have allowed ourselves to be bamboozled and to be hoodwinked into believing a Babylonian system that your provision comes from your job and your provision comes from what degree you hold and your provision comes from whatever last name you have or who you associate with. But God says, I never designed life that way. When you are a covenant-minded person, God says that your provision is not based upon what you have done. Your provision is based upon what my son has done. So we're starting out with our mind in the wrong place. I'm challenging you today to shift. Turn to your neighbor and say shift. God says, I'm not going to ever allow what I need to be done on the earth to be limited to your bank account. I'm not going to ever allow what I want to be done in the earth to be limited to whether you think you have or you have not. When I look at the situation in Malawi, the moment I heard of the challenges there, in the natural, I didn't have the money. It reminded me of this story. Pastor Winston was speaking for Ray Bernard, one of his sons. They raised, they raised there every year. And as there was an East African famine. This was about maybe four years ago. And it was all over the news that 33,000 babies had died in three months' time. And when I heard of that, something in my belly said, God, you said through me all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You've got to find a way to get in there to me, getting into there. Now, Somalia is a total Islamic nation. And that was during the time that they had all the pirates that were shooting down planes and, 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 and sabotaging these gray big ships, you know. And, and it was, you couldn't even get in. And so I was thinking, Lord, how will I even be able to get in? I was down in New Orleans and a pastor by the name of Neil Bernard said, Pat, wouldn't it be awesome if somebody could get into those refugee camps? The camps are called Dadaab on the border of Kenya and Somalia. The camps were designed for 91,000 people, but it was half a million people in the camps, 500,000 people because of the famine. He said, can you imagine all those Islamic nations and all the, where the famine is, they've been driven over the border into Kenya. If you could get on that border and be able to preach the gospel to them. So he's telling me as a pastor what I should do. So he kind of like, here are my Lord, send her. So then as I began to think about it, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then I couldn't shake it. The next morning I woke up, I couldn't, sh I couldn't shake it. And then I went to pastor and I said, Pastor, I'm believing God to get in here. He said, Pat, you going to go in there? He says, when you go in, I want some seed in that. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to get some seed inside of it. So pastor came into agreement. He agreed with me. Number one, I didn't have a plane. You can only get in there with a chartered flight. No flights were going in. You'd have to have a plane. I needed jet fuel. I needed a plane. But then I also would need clearance to get into the nation. I'm, what I'm telling you today, if you will grab a hold of what I'm saying to you, your days of struggle will be over. Your days of worrying about where your provision are coming from will be over. You'll begin to understand that God is a God that has already gone ahead of you and made every provision that you will ever need. He, think about it. I'm going to come back to the story, but think about it. What did you do to provide the lungs that you were born with? What did you do in your mother's belly to provide food for yourself? What did you do from the time you were born to make sure that your heart beats enough beats and that enough blood? Are you hearing me? Do you wake up in the morning and tell the blood and tell you don't do it? 
What did you do to determine where you would be born and to whom you would be born and what gender you would be born? What did you do to provide enough oxygen in the earth for you to breathe from the time you live to the time that you die? What did you do to make sure there would be enough vegetation, enough food in the earth? What did you do to provide the eyes that you see out of? What did you do to provide the mouth that you speak from? What did you do? What did you do to provide the legs that you walk with? What did you do to provide the parents to whom you were born? You did absolutely nothing. So if the same God that thought enough about you, according to Psalm 138, verse 8, that I will perfect the things that concern you, thought about you before you were in your mother's womb, he made sure you had provision, he made sure you had food, he made sure you had everything before you were born. What makes you think with your little mosquito brain? That now that you're on this side of the womb, that it is your big bad responsibility to worry about now what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you should wear. As if the same God that took care of you in the belly of your mother's womb, the moment you got on this side of the womb, he now abdicated his responsibility. You will not put God in a Guinness World Book record as being a deadbeat daddy because he can't provide your needs. Whatever your little problem is, it's not too hard for my God. Whatever you need and you're standing for, it's not too hard for our God. If we be carnal, know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more your heavenly father? Are you hearing me? Who has engraved you in the palm of his hands. Who knows your thoughts from afar. Who knows what you have need of even before you ask. Who hears the very whisper of your cry. It's because we don't know him. So now I begin to say, God, look at the God who's M.O., your way of doing things. That's what the kingdom of God is, God's way of doing things. Your mode of operating, your mode of operating. You go ahead. You stop and think about this. Pastor, this came to me just since I've been in South Africa the last couple of days. Listen. The reason why we think our problem is a right now problem and that we're going to God and saying, God, I need this, I need this. We forget that we're dealing with an eternal, eternal God eternity future, eternity past, all at the same time. But you're, you are a finite being. Your brain is finite. It deals with now. Are you hearing me? But your finite mind is dealing with an eternal God. So when the problem becomes a problem to you, your problem is already a solution to him. Because the problem became a problem to you because you're finite. I wish somebody could see what I'm saying. But your problem already has a solution to him because before you had the problem, he already made a solution. You say, Dr. Bailey, prove it to me in the word of God. I'm so glad you asked. The lamb was slain before the foundation. He's established your end from your beginning, Isaiah 56.10. Are you hearing me? I've already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He deals with the already's. He's already done. I'm going to challenge this church and those of you that are watching by television that for the next three months to the end of this year and whatever time this is being aired, take three months of your life, go through the Word of God, look at every example in the Word of God where God had already made provision before the person knew God made provision and they were worried about the situation, but God had already made the provision. Are you hearing me? Let's look at 2 Kings 4 verse 7. The 
prophet said, what do you have in your house? She already had a vessel, but she said, I have nothing because she was poverty minded. She did have something. Just like many of you right now, you've got a business in your house. You've got a business inside of you. You got skills and giftings and things inside of you, but you think you have nothing because your vision and your perspective has been so clouded by what you don't have. Look at all the different examples in the word of God, what God had already provided. Think about Rahab the harlot. She already had a house on the top of the wall of the city. Are you hearing me? Which was already in place for the spies to have a place to stay and to be able to give them all the intel that they needed. The reason why she knew all the intel that they needed because she slept with the minister of defense. She slept with the minister of finance. I mean, she knew all the scans. Are you hearing me? God had already positioned everything that would ever be needed. With Moses, when Moses was facing the Red Sea, he already had a staff in his hand. God says, what do you have in your hand? God had already had an east wind that was just waiting. The east wind was just waiting to be told. <laughs> Soon as that east wind was told what to do, those waters parted. Are you hearing me? God had already made a highway up under the ocean that was already ready for the children of Israel to just walk across. Not just, and guess what? How your God is, how he goes ahead of you. He didn't want them sloshing around in mud. The Bible says they walked across on dry ground. <laughs> women, women, women in the house. He did that for us because he didn't want our Gucci shoes, getting mud on our Gucci shoes. He didn't want our, you know, women. Come on, women. Come on, women. Come on, women. He already provided. So here I was saying, oh, great father, how can I get in? So now they, the camps were designed for 91,000 people. It's 500,000 people. And like, this is an awesome opportunity. Not only just feed them, but how will I now get in? But if I'm asking you, as I'm asking you to start, whatever you acknowledge God to be, that's how he magnifies himself to you. In Philemon, he talks about acknowledging him. In Proverbs 3, he says, acknowledge me in all of your ways. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He says, as you acknowledge me, I direct. As you acknowledge me, I direct paths. As you acknowledge me, I direct paths. So it's as if he's saying, the reason why some of our paths have not been directed, we haven't acknowledged him in all of our ways ways. You know what God is saying? Give me my props. I never thought about what you said today, that God could do everything but praise himself. I said, I never thought of that. The moment you said that, I said, well, let me just give you some serious prayer. Then let me just show and praise you. You said we were created to praise him. And so I begin to spend time as I'm challenging you the next three months. Look at all the examples. Put on some lens. Put on some glasses of the already, of the provisionary promise of God. What God has already made provision. Already made provision. Predestined already. So now how will I get in? In my school, Global Leadership Training Center, we scholarship students from over 100 countries around the world. We bring them in from countries that have had disaster, war-torn, just different, different parts of the world, and train them for six months, scholarship them, and then send them back into their country and teach them about deforestation, environmental science, water purification, alternative powers, things to be able to go in the rural areas and develop and address issues like we're addressing, re-legislating laws like you saw us do in Malawi. One of my students that went doing after the time of uh, the Rwanda genocide, her name was Passy. She had four children. She was a widow. We scholarshiped her to come to my school. Passy 
When Dr. Bill Winston got ready to come over to Rwanda, we helped, were a part of the whole planning committee to bring Pastor into Rwanda and Burundi. And so they sent Pastor on ahead, the, her host church, to come there and to plan and prepare for Pastor Winston's coming from the church side. So when Pastor gets there in the planning meetings, they had the board members of the church, and there was a gentleman in the board meeting who was an environmental scientist with the UN. And so, no, from with their nation, in their nation, National Environment Scientist Chief in their nation. And she began to talk about the school she'd gone to, and she began, when she found out he was an environmental scientist, she began to talk about some of the different environmental science issues like, you know, deforestation and waste management. He was very impressed that this Rwanda girl knew about environmental science. Ladies, you better keep your act together. Start reading up on stuff. Get, get, expand yourself. Get, you don't know who God is preparing you for. You don't know what your Boaz does. You want to be able to sit at the table and be able to contribute. Are you here? You better get out of gossiping and talking about he say, she said, what they said. She didn't speak to me. Did nobody see you, girl? You better get your head on what God has for you. That's a sidebar. So he was impressed. Long story short, I don't know if she winked at him or he winked at her. Next thing you know, he wants to marry her. He marries her and now takes all of her four children, because we had provided a condo for her and all of her children pay for everything, brings them back to Rwanda. He works as a chief environmental science for the nation. And then after they come together, a position becomes available at the UN. 6,000 people around the world applying for the position as the chief general secretary of the UN environmental scientists of the whole world. He gets the position. As he gets the position, now they have to move to New York City. Girlfriend now got a driver, got a maid. She living in the White Plains, New York. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't you tell me what my God won't do. Don't you tell me. And so now I, I, I was trying to think of how I would get in. And then sometimes we spend so much time talking in prayer, we don't develop the listening side of prayer. I told you I got a word for you today. Sometimes we, I'm coming on a Honda, I'm coming on a Honda. You tie my bow tie, you tie my bow tie, Subaru, Subaru, Subaru. And we don't stop long enough to develop the listening side of prayer. To let God. So that would be like me having a conversation with Pastor, and I'm just doing all the talking, and when I get through, I just leave. I never got him a chance, gave him a chance to say anything. As a matter of fact, true proper protocol would mean I listen to him first. How often do we go take the word of God before we even utter our request? Get quiet and let God speak to us through his word before we utter requests. Sometimes by the time you finish letting him talk to you, whatever you're getting ready to ask for, you don't even need to ask because he's already given you the solution. Because he's already ahead of you. Jehovah Jireh does not mean the Lord that God that provides. It means the God that provides before the need arises. Let me get through this story here. So then now I'm like, how am I going to get in? And then I remembered, Patsy's husband, that's right. He works for the UN. So let me see if he knows anybody that can get me into these UN camps. I call him and I said, Dr. Focus. I said, his name is Focus. I love God's humor. Dr. Focus, do you know anybody that can get me into the camps? And he says, oh, Patricia, in my culture, I owe you a favor. Because you were the one that took care of my bride and the children before I married. Anything you need, I'll take care of you. He said, God is really with you, and your God has gone ahead of you. I said, why? He said, the secretary general, <laughs> the secretary general is meeting with President Barack Obama at the UN on Tuesday. Can you get to New York? In my mind, I was saying, is pig ears pork? Yes. <laughs> and so we get to New York. And I, first I go to pastor, I said, pastor, I got a way in. I need you to pray with me. I plant some seed to pastor. Pastor prays over me, and it was during the week of the faith conference. Jesse DePlantis speaks on Tuesday nights. I said, you know what, Jesse, I can listen to your jokes next week. I got to go take care of God's business, okay? And so next year. So I go, we fly in, and so we meet at the Ambassador Cafe right across from the UN. We go in early. 
So we begin to go in. And this is the same cafe that Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, you know, go at the same cafe where Michael Jackson and different ones that are goodwill ambassadors for the UN. They do all. And I said, what kind of businesses had all kind of bidding that has been done? And so we went through and we began to lay hands on the seat and we began to pray very quietly in the Holy Spirit. So now Dr. Oz walks in, a tall, dark Senegalese. He's over all the camps. Nobody goes in and comes out without his permission. A Muslim Senegalese. So in my mind, I know I want to go preach the gospel. And I do want to go take food and aid and plumpy nut to take care of the babies. But I'm like, it's a UN mission. So they don't allow you to, you know, speak on the name of Jesus. So I'm sitting at the table and trying to figure out how I'm going to factor my conversation and put my and frame my conversation so I can say what I want to do. But at the same time, under the radar, I'm going to preach the gospel. And so I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to frame it. So I kept trying to edge around. And he kept saying, tell me what you want me to do. And I just kept on going around and around. And he says, but tell me what you want me to do. And I kept going around and around. He said, tell me everything you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. I thought about Proverbs 28.8. The Bible says that he, through unjust usury and un who oppresses the, the poor, he will allow them to stack up all their money and put it into the hands of the one. Look at it in an amplified version. To the one who has a sustainable plan for the poor. So all the UN money has been stacked up over there. You hearing me? You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. You think you're waiting on wealth? Wealth is waiting on you. You get a sustainable plan to take care of God's people and God will get the money to you. Can I pause and come back to the story and prove it to you? I got a phone call from one of my spiritual daughters. And I want you to, as you hear every story, I want you to hear how God had gone ahead. God had gone ahead. And she said, Dr. Bailey, I, I want to see if I can plan a meeting with you. She said, the one mafia family, I can't call the name of the mafia family. Their television programs are all on HBO TV. One of the sons got born again in spirit field, and he wants to redeem the money of the family. And he's looking for someone that's doing the type of initiatives that you're doing so he can funnel some of the money. Are you hearing me? He wants to clean up the money. And he himself is now a believer, and he wants the legacy of the family to be known about more than killing people. And I said, absolutely. I said, now he's born again and he's spirit-filled. So now he's doing television programs and he's doing movies. So this is all his money. But he wants the name of the family to have a legacy. Are you hearing me with a clean name of being going out so that his children can grow up and knowing that this family was known for doing more than, than killing people. So we sit and we meet with him and he begins to, you know, I tell him about what I'm doing. I got 14 kids in Haiti that I want to go to university in a village called Kwa de Michan where they're bathing with pigs and bathing with goats, human feces and animal feces, all of the same water and they're drinking that feces water. I want to send these kids to school. No one in the village has ever been to university. I want to send all of them to college. And I told him how much it was and he says, is that all? Whoa. Turn to your neighbor and say, is that all? He says, you are asking too small. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you are asking too small. Now watch this. If an ex-mafia son the request I'm making, he's telling me I'm asking too small. What do you think God is saying to you? You are dreaming too small. You are asking too small. He said, bring me something bigger. Bring it on. Bring something bigger. He said, I want to build roads. I want to develop infrastructure. He said, I'm, I just finished a $300 million project in West Africa. Give me something that's a challenge. I say, okay, we got a challenge for you, baby. We'll come up with something. But what is my point? God will get to you what you need, but look at the big if. 
as long as your heart is connected to seeking the kingdom first. The scripture you just gave in 2 Chronicles 26, 1 and 2. As long as he sought the Lord, the Lord made him to prosper. When you seek first the kingdom of God and God's way of doing things, he will get the provision to you. Shout amen. So now he says, whatever you want, tell me. He picks up in those days, it was a blackberry. He picks up his blackberry. Back to, I'm taking you back to New York now, okay? You're following me? You guys still with me? He picks up his blackberry and he calls to the camps. And he begins to tell them, I have someone that's going to be coming in on this date, and I want you to treat this as if it's a UN mission, which means the UN is getting ready to pay for everything. You're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. So now they're going to pay for everything on ground, right? Ground transportation, everything. But I got to get there. Nobody wants to go in because they're shooting down planes and they're killing people. So I now, pastor says, I want some, remember pastor told me the weeks ago, I want some seed in there? I say, <laughs> pastor, your baby girl, we're getting ready to go in. Pastor pays for the jet fuel. Pastor pays for the, car, the, the plane charter. Are you hearing me? So now we go in, we go in with the team. We got plumping up. We got the things that they need. And when we begin first, now we got to believe that they won't shoot down our plane. So we cover the plane with the blood of the lamb. And sitting there beside the pilot, I'm just, Father, we decree in the name of Jesus. We take authority over the prince of the power of the airways. We take authority over every principality. We take authority over the Jebusite spirit, the Hittite spirit that would try to bring terror because Al-Shabaab was the terrorist group, which is a strand from ISIS that was shooting the planes down. And I said, we take authority over that Hittite spirit. Our plane comes in and it lands on a little landing strip. The UN had a fleet of suburban, uh, the American SUVs, the suburbans, a fleet of them to unload all of our cargo. They took care of everything that we needed done. When we got into the hospital where the babies were, skeleton babies, frail, the people that traveled four weeks across the desert to try to get there, these little skeleton babies, and I grabbed those little skeleton babies from those Islamic families. And I didn't speak the mother's language, and the mother didn't speak my language, but the one language that we spoke is mothers. We are both mothers and have compassion for those babies. We are the compassion of God in the earth. We are God's governing body in the earth. We are his presence. We are his, I feel his presence right now. We are his heart. We are his hands. We are his feet. Somebody said this earlier from the platform. Somebody, the song, she's saying, help us to see things the way you see things. He said to Moses in Exodus, the third chapter, the seventh through the eleventh verse, my eyes have seen the oppression of my people. My ears have heard their cry, and I know their sorrow, and I'm now coming down to deliver them, and God came down to deliver them by sending Moses. Who am I talking to this morning that God wants to come down to meet the needs of somebody else by sending you? Let's go back to Abraham now. As I stood there with that mother, that Somali mother who we didn't speak the same language, I took the baby. It's on our YouTube channel. You'll see it. And I said, I speak to this baby in the name of Jesus. You will declare the oracles of Almighty God. You will come out of a life of Islam into a life of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You shall proclaim the gospel of Jesus. I'm, you hear me? I'm just speaking this over the baby. All this at the UN expense. You're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. Are you hearing me? The Bible says in Genesis, the 12th chapter, that he wants to make every last one of you a distribution center. He wants you to distribute 
goods to others. God has an unmerited success plan for you. Unmerited because there's nothing you did to deserve it. You were not around when he made the plan. The plan was made, the covenant was made in place even before you were born. You just began to be a benefactor of the plan because now Galatians 3.13 and 14 says you are the seed of Abraham and an heir according to the promise. So every covenant promise, every unmerited success plan that he made for Abraham, you are an extension to that plan in this century today. Are you hearing me? And the same way he provided from Abraham and said, I will be your exceeding and great reward. The very self-same God, the very self-same God has put down on the inside of you a gracious design and a divine blueprint. The same way God downloaded to Jacob a financial plan to outwit Laban. God has a financial plan with your name on it. It is custom designed just for you. It is an unmerited plan of financial success. Let me put some meat around this so I can, it can make some sense to you. I was going to the faith conference year after year after year and hearing all the testimonies, Paul and Nietzsche, testimonies of Jesse Duplantis. I mean, thing, I wasn't hating on anybody. I wasn't drinking haterade. I just wanted to see God do it in my life. Yes. Is anybody here saying I'm ready for the breakthrough in my life? I'm ready for the manifestation in my life. And so here I was praying, just like Africa, all of Africa, praying, fasting, praying, all night vigils, fasting, but no manifestation. And I learned that wealth does not come from praying. Because if wealth came from praying, Africa would be the biggest manifested wealth. It is mineraled wealth, but manifested wealth. It would be the most manifested wealth than anywhere in the world. Because more fasting, more praying is done here. Same man, somebody. I found out that he says, I will give you the power to get wealth. That's the knowledge to get wealth, which means I got to stop doing all the talking and I've got to let you down. Can you imagine if Jacob was doing all the talking? How would God have ever told Jacob about, the, are you hearing the spot? He would have never heard the plan to take the reef and to be able to do it. He would have never known what to do because he'd have been, but he listened to the plan that God has. What about the widow woman when he says, do you have anything in your house? Go, go get a vessel. Borrow, look at the instructions. What do you have in your house? Go borrow vessels. Borrow not a few. When the oil come, comes forth, sell the oil, pay off your debt so that you and your seed can live. Are you hearing me? Listen to the instructions. Suppose she was doing all the talking. God had a financial success, an unmerited plan. What did that widow do to deserve the financial plan that was given to her? What did Jacob do to deserve the financial plan that was given? Are you hearing me? What about the fish with the corn in his mouth when the, when the, when the disciples needed to be able to pay the taxes? What did they do to go literally earn, what did they do to put the coin in the fish's mouth? Their job was to believe and receive. Their job was to believe and receive, but they had to listen to the instructions that Jesus gave. Go get the, listen to the instructions, the first fish, not the second fish, not the third fish. Some of you, God has been giving you instructions and you think you're smarter than God. God says, turn right, you're going to turn right, you're going to turn left, then right. God tells you to go do this. No, you're going to go do it your way. So as long as you keep doing things your way, you're going to get your results. But when you do things God's ways, that's when you get God's results. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need to listen, I need to listen, I need to listen. For God to do it for Abraham, for God to do it for the widow, for God to do it for the disciples and not do it for you would make God a liar, would make God a respecter of persons, would mean that we, we got to take Hebrews, the 13th chapter that says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and throw it in the trash bin. But we cannot do that because God is who he says that he is, and God will do what he said he will do. And his covenant that he extends to you is not God's fault that we have not seen the manifestations. 
We need to listen and hear. I'm telling you today, my friend, that before you were born, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the financial plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, a good plan, a plan of good and not a plan of evil, to bring you to an expected end. So before you were in your mother's womb, I downloaded like I did for Jacob, a financial plan for you. And every single person has it just like you have. No one has the same two fingerprints. He said it. I never thought of that. No one has the same voice. No one has the same eye Now, are you hearing me? It's individualized, customized just for you. For God to do it for her and not do it for me, he's a respecter of persons. So I'm challenging you today, number one, it's unmerited. It's nothing you did to deserve it. And because it's nothing you did to deserve it, you can't do it yourself. He designed his unmerited success plan for you to be manifest with him and him alone. Your wealth is in Christ. The Bible says he became poor that we may become rich. Are you hearing me? God says, I need you to understand it's in me. It's in me. Let me give you the story. Bring it home. I was doing like everybody else, fasting and praying and saying, Lord, this happened for them. When will it happen for me? I wanted the ministry to be debt free. I wanted to see a manifestation. I was praying. I said, Pastor, I have put out a word. He said, you, last year you can be a millionaire in a month. You can be a millionaire in a year. You've heard him. You can be a millionaire. And when he said, you'll be a millionaire, I went and planted a seed. And I said, in the name of Jesus, by next year's faith conference, I will be a manifested millionaire. I'm sitting in my house and I'm praying and I'm fasting. And I get a phone call. And it was Colwell Banker. And the man said to me, do you know that your house, do you know the worth of your house? I said, no, because for years ago, I worked for Apostle Frederick Casey Price, set up their whole missions department for them, a five-year missions plan. Finished it in two years, but I kept the property because it was on the ocean, overlooking Catalina Island. And I said, we'll just keep this property. Didn't think anything about it. The property was only $700,000. No one knew that Donald Trump would become president. He became president, and before he became president, he bought this resort, and Dumi has seen it, and started building $10 million houses, $8 million houses, house after house, and, and, and then, you know, just built a whole estate and wanted it to be his premier estate. And then on the other side of the, of the highland, there was another resort called Terrania, and they started competing with Donald Trump. So every time Donald Trump would build up, they would build up. So Trump said, you're not going to outdo me with his hair like that. And he's like, da, 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 da. So he built up. And then he run over here, and then, then they would build up. And then Donald Trump said, I'm not going to be outdone. And then he would build up. And, then, and so my house was in the middle. So as they kept competing back and forth, an unmerited success. What did I do? but sit in my house and say, work it, baby, you better work it, baby, work it. Work it, baby, you better work it, baby, work it, baby. Work it, baby, you better work it, baby, work it, baby. But God to do it for me and not do it for you. I know you're thinking, oh, but you have dollars. Oh, but you had the house. But oh, how did I get the house? I started out getting the house with no money. I trusted God. I believed. 
God opened doors. I took the same word that you have. I trusted the same God that you know. I begin to realize that it's not predicated upon what I've done, but it's predicated upon what he's done. Turn to your neighbor and say, we got to shift. We got to shift. We got to shift. Say to your neighbor, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. So then we put the house on the market. Now watch this. To put the house on the market now, here this little country girl. I never knew anything about, they told me, they said, your house is not worth 700000 Your house is worth $3 million. Whoa. I say, it truly is unmerited success. God really is who he says that he is. God will really do for you what he said he would do. The whole time, Pastor, while I was fasting and praying and going to the faith conference and wanting to see it happen, I was sitting on my own success. I was sitting on my own success. Who am I talking to today? You're sitting on your own success. You're sitting on that book. You're sitting on that dream. You're sitting on that business. You're sitting on that house. Are you hearing me? You're sitting on it. You're sitting on it. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. He's asking you to dare to believe him. I took my pastor at his word. So then now in order to be able to sell the house, I had to go take that house and gut it out. Guess where the money came from to fix the house up? One of our other properties, we were in Atlanta, Georgia, taking care of God's business, training women, sisters in power in the world. While I was in Atlanta, Georgia, training women, only the, you know the tube to the ice maker? You know the ice maker, the water hose that goes to the, somehow the tube just came loose. And the whole time we were away, their training, Water was coming into the house, and the house flooded. Two floors. They gave me a $90,000 insurance check. Watch this. And so I knew how to go find, see in America, we have Hispanics, Julio, Rodriguez. You go find them, and they can do the best work for less. So I, with the same 90000 I was able to fix that house and take the rest of the money and invest in this house. So then, now watch this. I, wasn't, I, I had never gone into a market of $3 million, $7 million, $8 million. I didn't understand the flooring of a $3 million house, the lighting of a $3 million house, the Italian, you know, Carrera counters and, and, and marble counters. And so I had to learn. So there's a show on television called The Million Dollar Listings. Have you all ever heard it? The owner of the million-dollar listing, the owner of agency itself, Mario Mercio, wanted his sister to get some little experience with selling properties. And what they have to do is your house has to qualify for them to sell your house. Because at the same time they were trying, I was getting trying to see if they would sell my house, they were selling a $220 million Playboy mansion. Whoa. So he gave his sister my property as a training ground. Are you hearing me? A project. How did Mario Mauricio get his money? They're Jewish. Conrad Hilton saw Mario Mauricio serve him every day when he would go to one of his particular resorts. And Mario, I want somebody to hear this. This is for somebody. He gave attention to detail. He learned how Conrad Hilton liked his water. He learned where he wanted to spork his knife. He learned where he was. He paid attention to detail. And every time Conrad would have, he would do it just so. He knew how he liked his steak. He knew how, are you hearing me? And Conrad noticed over the year, after year after year, he gives attention to detail. What is the definition of excellence? Giving attention to detail that gives rise to superior performance. Are you hearing me? That leads to promotion in life. What is, what is the definition of excellence? Giving attention to detail that gives rise to superior performance. Are you hearing me? That leads to promotion in life. Conrad Hilton said to him one day, you know what, young man? You have everything it takes to be a real estate tycoon. He said he was a waiter 
Who am I talking to today that think that your income is based on your job? Who am I talking to today that think your income is based? I'm talking to somebody. I was sent here for somebody today. He says, young man, I'm going to give you one of my resorts. And I'm going to take you up under my wing and I'm going to teach you how to be a real estate tycoon. He said, because you have everything it takes. What was the quality? You give attention to detail and you know how to give people what they want. That's real estate. He paid attention. So that's how he got the agency. So now God had gone ahead of me with Conrad Hilton. Are you following the story? With Mauricio giving the property to Conrad Hilton. But then now, when he now got ready to step out on his own, he came up because all of the properties, the particular property that he, Conrad Hilton, gave Mario Mauricio was where all the celebrities go and all the royalties go. So one day, while Mario was working, celebrity real estate, celebrity real estate, celebrity real estate. Celebrity real estate. That's how he came up with the concept of celebrity real estate. The agency. Wow. Celebrity real estate. Wow. But I ain't no celebrity. So God now takes the, my house and makes it a project for his sister. And then now I'm learning all the things that they do for the $220 million house. And they're training me and teaching me like he did when he allowed Moses' mother to nurse her own baby and Pharaoh paid her mother wages to nurse her own baby. Who am I talking to today? You are not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. Somebody shout unmerited success. Somebody shout unmerited success. What negotiation did Moses' mother do with Pharaoh to say or Pharaoh's daughter to say, you know what, you got to pay me this amount of money to nurse my own baby. God's got somebody. He's got a project. He's got a baby. He's got something out there that he's waiting on you just like he did with Conrad Hilton. God wants to download today somebody who's been daring to believe and something has caused you to draw back. I'm telling you, you don't you downsize. Don't you dream small. You dare to believe him. I want to leave you with this. We put the house on the market. The house sells. I take the money from the house because I'm looking at 2 Kings 4 verse 7. Take the money, pay your bills, pay your debt. Are you following me? We sell the house, pay off the ministry building headquarters, pay off the dorms, pay off the parsonage. Because I'll be 61 years old in March, and I'm like, I need to shift things, you know, because I want to be able to spend more time in this continent doing more missions. I want to be freed up, and I want to link up with churches like this where we can take teams out. And let me tell you something. The reason why South Africa is as blessed as she is, you are the apostolic and prophetic gatekeeper of God to the nations. God, listen to me. God has to have somebody to funnel his wealth through. When God makes you wealthy, it does not make anybody better than anybody else. I'm not better than those children in Malawi. I'm not better than those kids in Haiti. The reason why God has blessed us, it does not make us better. It makes us responsible. It makes us stewards. It makes us trusted. He has to have someone he can trust to funnel his wealth through. What did he say in this word with management? He who is faithful over little will prove that he can be trustworthy, that I will make him ruler over much. What is it that you're not being faithful over now? Are you faithful like the video that we saw where the young lady was faithful serving in the church, cleaning the church? Are you hearing me? So you don't have to be told two and three times to do the same thing. You're looking for an opportunity to serve. You're looking for an opportunity to give. So you're 
showing God right now with the salary that I'm making right now. Watch my stewardship on the level I'm making now. How dare you say, God, make me a millionaire. Give me $3 trillion when you won't even give 10 cents out of a dollar or 10 cents out of a rand now. Why would God honor a thief? Because if you get money, you'll be a bigger thief because money only magnifies who you are. So now while I was waiting for the house to sell before it sold, the properties were going up on the other side of the island. And I said, Lord, it's taking a while. And I didn't know that it takes a little bit longer to sell a $3 million house than a $165,000 house or $200,000 house. I mean, I was operating in an arena I'd never been in before. And so I said, Father, then I got before God, listening side of prayer again, listening side of prayer again. Father, I need you to show me where a property is that's about one, between one, one, five, so that when I sell the house and pay off the bills, we can downsize to a smaller place. Because all I ask them to do, can I still stay in Palace Verdes? And I said this to God, I'm talking to somebody today. When I would sit over on my balcony and looking at the ocean and looking at the islands and looking at the mountains, I was saying, God, I guess I'll never have this again. I guess you'll never be able to do this again because I was willing to walk away from it to sell things so that I can give the money to the ministry. And I look now at God. How can you tell God where the property is when he's the original real estate agent? Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What property is it that you believe in for? You need to understand that your agent is God. Stay with me. So then I started looking and I looked and I looked. And on this one particular day, I got quiet and developed the listening side of prayer. Listen to what God says. On this particular day, he says, get up. He's talking to somebody right now. Get up. Get up now. Go now. I was like, but Lord, like this? And I had my two other women praying with me. I said, Val and Yolanda, come on, God says, go now. They said, but Doc, we haven't even taken our shower. We just had our morning prayer. We haven't even. I said, he said, go now. So we get in the car, and I take my little dog with me, a little shih tzu with me, and the dog was like. And so we get in the car, and I said, he, he just said, pray, and he's going to lead and guide us. Turn right. Go down three streets. Turn left. Turn left again. And I've never, never been here, never knew where I was going. So to them, I was looking like, Doc, really? So then we get down to a dead-end cul-de-sac. And they said, Doc, what now? He said, go back again. Remember the story in the Bible when the man prayed? And remember the cloud that was in the sky? He says, go back and look again. Somebody today I'm talking to, you went and did it the first time. And you gave up because it didn't turn out like you want. God is telling you, he sent me on this Sunday morning to say, go back and look again. Go back and trust again. So I turn the car back around, right? And then we go back down the street again. The same street. So we're going down the street. And then all of a sudden Val said, Doc, look. I said, what? Look behind that bush. A sign coming soon. Who am I talking to today? You haven't seen it yet, but just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that it is coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You haven't seen it yet. You've given up on it because you don't see it, but just because you don't see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't come. It's coming, coming soon. Coming. The sign said, coming soon. So the number was on the bottom. Her name was Paula. I pick up the phone. I call Paula. I said, is this house for sale? Is it on the market? It says coming soon. She said, how do you know about this? How did you see the sign? I said, the Holy Ghost. I couldn't even think about it. I said, the Holy Ghost. When I said that, she burst up and started crying because she was a backslidden Pentecostal's daughter from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Your destiny is connected to someone else. I said, your destiny is connected to someone else. Some of you, the reason why it hasn't happened yet, because God is lining people up down the street, round the corner next week. Are you hearing me? You may not be able to see it, but down the street, round the corner next month. Are you hearing me? So then... She said, yes, it's for sale. I said, how much do they want for? She said, they want 1.5. I 
Now, here's the part that's so powerful. I have put, I'm talking to somebody today, I have put a bid on another house that didn't have a proper view. It had a peekaboo view. So here I was, look how we do. Well, God, I guess I could build up on top and build on the side and then looked over. So you're settling for less. Who am I talking to? You're about to marry somebody and you're settling for less. You're dating somebody and you're settling for less. You're being ready to develop a business and your business plans are too small. You're settling for less. So that's why I went back out to look at it again. That's why he wanted me to go look again. I'm talking to somebody, look again. When we went to go look again, there were some men down the street that had gutted out their house. And I asked, can I go in and take a look at what you're doing so I can get an idea of how much money it's going to cost on this house I put a bid on. When I went in, I went through the house, and when I looked out there, it was the queen's necklace. It was a view like I had never seen before, a better view than I ever had. I had lived out here in the island for 20 years, and I never saw this kind of view. And I saw Donald Trump's flag up like that, and you could see it was sitting right up over his property. I was like, I've never seen a view like this. And so when I left out, that's when God started saying, turn right, turn left. And I asked them, do you ever see properties like this ever on the market? I said, if you ever see it, here's my car, call me. And I stepped away from everybody. I'm talking to somebody. This is why you came this morning. I stepped over like this. They were all just talking. And I said, Daddy, could you do this for me? And even when I said it, I was thinking like when I'm 80 or when I'm 90, I'll retire with a view like this. Religion always puts things off. Religion always says you missed it or it's coming. You missed it or it's too late. Are you hearing me? So then I get back in the car. He says, turn right, turn left. When I asked her, does the house have a view? You still following me? She said, does it have a view? She said, the house next door. This is another street now. They're redoing their house too, but their house is not gated. You can go through the back and you can see. I went out, guys, and guess what it was? The exact same view, but better. So then I said, oh, my God. And so the house that... The house that, that was on the market, it's it gated, right? And so I told Val and Yolanda, I'm going to go see if I can get inside the gate. They said, Doc, we're not going with you. I said, call the popo. Popo, and it's Ebonics for police. Call the popo. I was like, my dear, call the popo. So anyway, I went in there. Oh, the gate was open. Who am I talking to today? The gate was open. How am I talking today? I went and took the gate. The gate was open. And so then Paula said, I already had Paula. I was like, is it okay? Yeah, the gate was open. She didn't know the gate was open. Do I have permission to go? The gate is open. I said, the gate is open. I feel the prophetic right now. Your, your gates are open. They shall not be closed day nor night. The gates of Kadah, the gates of wealth, the gates of wisdom, the gates of health, the gates of favor. Your gates are open and they shall not be shut from this day, day nor night. Shout amen. When I opened up the gate and I went and I stood out on the balcony. And it was the exact view, but better. And I said, unmerited success. Because you said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you. Through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That first house that yielded the money was a mission house. Where we would take missionaries in from all over the world. And when I no longer worked for Dr. Price for missions, we kept that property not knowing that Donald Trump and Terranea would compete, unmerited success. But all along, I kept my eyes on the kingdom. Going to Malawi last week, last month in Eswatini. Month, months before that, Jamaica. Months before that, Haiti. Missions, giving to the poor, lending to the Lord. Giving to the poor, lending to the Lord. Taking this gospel to the kingdom, to all the world. Then shall the end come. Taking care of God's business, he taking care of mine. 
today if you don't remember anything else. God already has your million dollar status waiting for you is not merited on what you have, who you know, what you do is all merited on his love for you. God bless you.